Awesome. And would you guys pray with me before we jump into this message? Lord, we are here, as I said, to hear from you. And so, God, I pray that you speak. I pray that I do not preach my opinions. I, I don't preach something that just sounds good. But, God, this is your truth, that I'm a, a really accurate ambassador for who you are. And, God, I pray that you prepare our hearts to hear your truth. And, God, that we all grow this morning. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, welcome. Thank you guys for coming. And we're still, as my beautiful wife said, we're still kind of in that New Year's mindset. We're, we're kind of in single digits of January. And so some of you might still be really thinking and in the mindset of New Year's resolutions. Some of you might not do that at all. Some of you might think, ah, that's, that's dumb. But for, for a lot of us, New Year's gives us that opportunity to think through, what do I want to do different in my life? What are, what are things in my life that, that I want to tackle, that I want to change, that I want to do better at, or, or, or things like that? And I think that that's good and that's healthy. I don't think we have to wait until New Year's to do that. I think we can do that anytime. But I think that it is good to think through that. What do I want to be different in my life, and when do I want to tackle it? Now, you might have all sorts of different New Year's resolutions that has to do with, with fitness or, or time management or work or finances or all those things. But what I'm encouraging us all to, to look at right now and what this whole series is going to be about is making a resolution, if you want to call it that, or just a commitment. I think I like that better for daily prayer. Daily prayer is very, very biblical in the Bible. And I want to bring you to, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. And this is what it says. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, daily prayer might sound really, really intimidating. And the whole point of this series that we're going to look at is to make daily prayer less intimidating and to give you guys tools that, that you can use to say, I can do this. Because what's clear about the Bible is we're, we're supposed to be praying all the time. And, and I, I don't like the idea supposed to be because that gets us in, in a weird mindset. There are huge benefits, life-changing benefits to having consistent daily prayer time. And, and I'm not talking about praying over a meal, right? Because I know that I used to cheat and count that. Like, I, I prayed over my hamburger I prayed today. We're talking about really taking a, a time to connect with God on a daily basis. And we talked about that last week, kind of the, the vision for our church in this next year, focusing on connection and not just with each other, but truly connecting with God. Because the Bible teaches if we're not connected to God, it really doesn't matter how connected we are to other people. We're not going to be in a good place. God's the head. The head gives all of the, the nutrients and all of that. So, Daily prayer. It can be intimidating. It can be scary. And you might even, in the back of your head right now, and be honest with yourself, you don't have to be honest with me, you might have said the phrase or something like this, I don't have time, right? Be honest. Again, you don't have to raise your hand. Be honest with yourself. That's one of the biggest excuses that, that most of us give ourselves or, or give other people is, I don't have time to pray every day. My schedule is booked. And, and I, will, 
I will give you that I feel like people nowadays are busier than they've ever been. There's, there's a lot of demands on our time, and, and that is true. But just for fun, I, I looked up some statistics, and a study that was done just last year, so 2022, found that the average user spent two and a half hours a day on social media. Maybe you can say, I don't spend two and a half hours a day on social media, but I think if we're being honest, there's time for us to find for prayer, to take away from some other things. Maybe it's not social media for you, but I think if we're honest, we all can look at our day and and carve out 10 to 15 minutes to pray. And I don't say this because I'm trying to guilt you, make you feel bad, but because I believe that it will change your life if you do this. I believe if you talk to to any Christians who have gone from having very inconsistent once in a while when I remember it prayer time to daily consistent time with God, connecting with him, you can ask them the difference that that makes in their life. And it's because I love you guys and I want the best for you that I'm going to encourage you guys to do that. Remember how we talked last week when we talked about connecting with each other, that in Hebrews where it says, let's spur each other on, that word spur each other on is to kind of jab each other, to force each other to to move. That's kind of what this series is. But some of you just might feel lost. If you've never had daily prayer time, it can, it can be incredibly intimidating to think about how, how do I do this? Do I just sit down and just say, hey God, what's going on? Like, it's hard to know. And so the goal of this is, number one, if you've never had a daily prayer time, if you come here, my, my hope, and I, and I feel confident that I will give you tools that it will not be scary, it will not be intimidating, and you'll know exactly how to have a daily prayer time with God. But let's say you've had daily prayer time, but it has just gotten stagnant. You're just not really getting a lot out of it. Because I'm going to be honest, that's where I was at about eight months ago. I've had daily prayer time for many, many years. But it just got to the point where I was just kind of like, this is getting stagnant. So I started doing what, what I want to teach you, and actually, I'm not going to be the one teaching you. This is the best part. Jesus is going to teach us all how to pray. It's not, this, this is my idea. But I started doing this in my life, just walking through what we call the Lord's Prayer, what Jesus teaches us when he says, here's how you pray. And I started to just make each part personal to what I was thinking that day, what I was worried about that day, what I had in front of me that day. And it completely re-energized my prayer life. And so if that's even you, where you're like, okay, I pray every day, but I don't really look forward to it. I'm kind of lost in it. It's gotten stagnant. Hopefully this gives you something to re-energize your daily prayer life as well. Because as we talked about last week, having consistent time where you are connected to God is essential if you want to have a healthy Christian life. You can't be disconnected from God and hope to be healthy. That connection is so important. And having a daily prayer time, continually being able to say, yes, I connect with God, is so, so important. So as I said, we're going to look to Jesus because Jesus is the best teacher. And as a pastor, man, it's so nice when I can just be like, here's Jesus teaching, and I'll just kind of help it. But really, the core of this is what Jesus taught. And so that gives me so much um, confidence in going through this. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 
in this. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is in a couple different books of the Bible, but we're going to be looking at Matthew for this context. And, and to, to give you a little bit of context of what's going on, do you remember when we did our series on the Beatitudes? Maybe you don't remember that. That was, that was a while ago. That was part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. So it was when Jesus really kind of stepped up and started teaching boldly and saying, here's what I think about this. Here's what I think about that. And it wasn't like really, there didn't seem to be any like series topic. He's just like, here's what I think about this. And here's what I think about that. And it's this amazing place where you just get to see the heart of Jesus on a whole bunch of different topics that, that he preached on. And so this is what we're looking at. And what's really interesting is if prayer is intimidating to you, I've got good news is Jesus specifically said, the last thing I want prayer to be for anybody is intimidating. Before we get to when Matthew chapter six, which I'm gonna bring you to for in a second, he literally said, when you pray, don't pray all high and mighty. Don't pray with a big vocabulary. Don't pray to impress other people. Do you guys know that your prayers do not have to impress anybody? In fact, Jesus was like, I don't want you to try to impress anybody. That's, if you're trying to impress people with your prayers, then, then you've, you've lost the plot already. He's like, go hide. Go by yourself. This isn't even about anybody else. This isn't about being impressive. This isn't about anyone going, wow, what a perfect prayer. This is simply about you connecting with God. And so even Jesus, right from the start, was like, this is not something to intimidate you. This isn't something that you need to be scared of. And so I'm going to bring you to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is what he continues to go on after that. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, here's why I have to apologize. We're going to use NIV. Some of you guys probably memorized this in King James, so I apologize. The words might be a little different. Don't get, don't get too upset with me. It's just we, we want it to be consistent. But it might be worded a little bit different, but I'm going to explain this. So this is basically, number one, what I love about this is Jesus doesn't mince any words. He's like, here's how you pray. That's nice. Someone like me, that's not always the smartest. I like it when people break it down for me. Here's what I want you to do. Do it just like this. That is awesome. I love it. So he starts, this is the first part. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And what I'm going to encourage you to do and hopefully teach you to do in this series is to take this Lord's Prayer part by part and just make it personal in your life. But first, we have to understand what this means. What does hallowed mean? That's the first thing we have to understand because most of us, the only time we hear the word hallowed is Halloween, and that's probably not a great way to think about it. So we have to understand what does hallowed mean? And, and the word hallow means to regard something as special or to treat something as holy. And what you have to understand is in the Old Testament, there were common things and there were holy things. And that's how everything was separated, was common and holy. Does this thing have common use or does this thing have holy use? And you would treat things differently depending on the word would be consecrated. If something was consecrated, it meant it was set apart for holy use. It was not common. You, you shouldn't treat it like you treat everything else. You treat it differently because it was made for holy purposes or it itself is holy. So you have common and you have holy. And basically what Jesus is starting here, 
right at the beginning, before he gets anywhere else, is he's declaring that the name of God is holy, that I'm going to treat the name of God as holy. I'm going to have reverence for the name of God. Now, reverence is not a word that we use very often. And I think that it's so important for us to start here because when we lose this, it makes a huge difference in our walk with God. And I want to talk to you about something that we don't talk a lot about at church anymore. And I think we do it at a big disservice is the idea of the fear of the Lord. Now, I even want to make sure everybody understands that we serve a God of grace, that we serve a God of love. But in the Bible, what is very clear over and over and over again is that we are called to have a fear of the Lord. In fact, I'm going to bring you to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And this is what it says. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So basically, right in Proverbs, it's saying, the fear of God is the beginning of everything. And it's, I don't think, a coincidence that this is how we begin the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus says, here's how I want you to pray, right off the bat, it's fear the Lord. But now what you have to understand is what this word fear means. This word fear is not to be terrified of punishment, right? There's different types of fear. And one of those fears is like the dread fear, the I'm going to get punished fear. Like you remember when you were a kid and your parents were gone and you and your siblings broke something expensive and you just were waiting for your parents to get home. And that feeling in the pit of your stomach of like, I just want to run away. They're gonna, I'm going to get in trouble when they get home. That's that dread fear. The Bible actually says that we don't have that fear as Christians, that God's love drives that fear away, that it's not the fear of punishment. It's not the fear of, oh God, he's going he's gonna to punish me. It is a very different kind of fear. And this word fear, when you're talking about the fear of the Lord, is actually an awe of God. Like, like it's, there's still a fear to it, but it's fear because of how big God is, because you see yourself in contrast to who God is. And the difference between you and God just puts this awe and wonder and fear in you. And it affects you. In fact, this word fearful can be translated as awesome. We've kind of lost the meaning of the word awesome. And I'm the worst at it. I think I say the word awesome 400,000 times a day. I'm always like, that's awesome. This is awesome. That's awesome. And it's really not good because awesome in its core means like to be like dropped to your knees. You just witness something that you can't even see the world the same way again because of the, the awesomeness of what you just saw. Here's, here's a good example of this. Did you guys know that when astronauts go up into space and for the first time they look out of their shuttle and they see the earth, like, and they can see the whole earth all at once, they all actually have the same response. Almost every single one has a response that like psychologically changes their life from that point on because there is this sense of awe of what they are seeing. They've never been able to witness life the way that they have. And they, they can look and see my entire world, everything I've ever been worried about, everything I've ever been stressed about is contained in a pin drop on that thing. And I, am, I can see myself outside of this. And they all have a very, very similar response to seeing this thing. 
That is awesome. That's when something, can you imagine? I think there would be some fear if you looked out a shuttle and you saw the earth that far. Everything I know is that far away and it's all there and I'm out here. There's a fear, but it's not like a someone's going to punish me fear. It's an awe and wonder kind of fear. In fact, I want to bring you to, to Genesis. So, so most of you know the story of Jacob in the Bible. Jacob has, I won't go through the whole story, but, but he was an Israelite that, that God used, and, and you can learn a lot about who God is in the story of Jacob. But there's this story where he gets to a place, and he sleeps, and he has these dreams, and, and God talks to him in the dream, like in an audible voice, and tells him what's going to happen in his life, and he sees visions, and this is what he says. This is Genesis chapter 28, verse 17. When he woke up, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Do you know what that word awesome is? How scary is this place? And again, it's not scary as in I'm going to get punished. It's scary as in this is too big for me. I, I'm, I'm this little person and I have seen the magnitude of who God is. And in the midst of that, there's this fear. And it's not a fear of punishment. It is an awestruck, reverent fear. This is the fear of God. And the Bible says not only should we start our prayer time with that, but that that's the beginning of everything. That if we can have that reverence and awe and wonder for who God is, that is the start of everything. And so Jesus basically said, here's how you pray. Our Father in heaven, we fear your name. We have reverence for your name. We treat your name as holy and set apart. How do you do that? What's our job in this? Because we talked about that last week too, of, of even just connecting with God. What's our job? And I mentioned the story of Joshua, but I want to bring us there so that we can actually read it. So um, if you guys remember, when we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we were talking about kindness, and I told you the story of Rahab, right? Do you guys kind of remember that? Maybe not, but it's right after this. Basically, right after the story of Rahab, and Joshua is preparing to take land that's going to be really difficult to take. There, he's going up against some really fortified cities that, like, the people are scared to go take. And this is what he says in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Now, we already talked about that. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. So basically, he's saying, God is going to do amazing things tomorrow. Here's your job. Prepare yourself to see it. Consecrate yourself. Allow yourself to pay attention and be set apart for the holy things. Do not be paying attention to the common. Don't be lost in the everyday mundane stuff because tomorrow God is going to do amazing things and I want you to see it. I want you to be amazed by the amazing things that God is doing. And we talked about this last week, how 
That's why magicians say, prepare to be amazed because they know they can do the best trick on the planet. And if no one's watching, no one cares. They have to, you have to be paying attention to be amazed. Even if they're doing amazing things, if we're not paying attention, we will not be amazed. So he says, consecrate yourself. Get your eyes on the holy things. Don't get lost in the mundane things. Pay attention to the holy because God is going to do amazing things. And the bottom line is that God can do amazing things in your life, and you cannot be amazed if you want to. You're, you have every right to not pay attention, to not care, to not look, to not see, to be lost in, but this isn't right, right? How many of us do that? We get so locked in on the one problem in our life, and we're like, God, you got to change this. You got to change this, and he is doing miracles all around us, and we're just sitting here like, God, you're not doing anything. God, why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you doing anything? It's because we have not looked to see the amazing things that God is doing. We are locked in on the one thing, and if he doesn't do something there, then we just don't pay attention. See, Joshua said, the Lord will do amazing things. He doesn't say, consecrate yourself, and then maybe God will. He's like, God's gonna do the amazing things. That's not the question. The question is, are you going to see it? Are you gonna be amazed by it? This is Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. This is God actually prophesying about saving us. And he says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And there's been so many times in my life where I'm sure God has said that exact thing to me. Eric, I'm doing amazing things in your life. Do you not see it? Are you not seeing what I'm doing in your life? It's hard to be in awe of God when we're not paying attention to the amazing things that he's doing in our life. And part of it is just preparing ourselves, consecrating ourselves, and a daily prayer time gives you that perfect opportunity to do that, to stop and say, God, what is the amazing thing that you're doing in my life right now that I can allow myself to be in awe of? that I can allow myself to be affected by. So there's reverence for your name in a new and powerful way. That's our job is to take time to pay attention to what God is doing in our life. I'm just gonna tell you this, God's doing amazing things in your life. I, I, I feel like I can say that. It might not be the amazing things that you want God to be doing right now in your life. He might not be doing amazing things in this specific area that you're praying on and you're looking for and you're hoping for, but he is doing amazing, awesome things. The question is, are we taking the time to pay attention to it? Are we taking the time to truly live in that awe and reverence of what he is doing? You see, that's that, that, that whole idea of hallowed be thy name. It's a reminder because we've kind of lost that it, it's easy. We, we, we had a, a generation, and I think kind of when I grew up in the church, it was more like, God's, God's your buddy, right? He's your homeboy. He's just like your fun pal. And it's like, yes, God is my friend. But if, if I allow myself to have that kind of attitude towards God, you lose the awe and you lose the wonder of who God is, of, man, God breathed life into me. We sang it this morning. It's your breath in my lungs. Have you ever just sat and thought about that for a couple minutes? 
that like the reason that you have air in your lungs is because the God of the universe who made everything chose to breathe his life into you. And just allow that to affect you for a little while, to allow yourself to go, whoa, it changes how we live our life. So how does this affect our daily praying? Because I want to make sure I explain this to us and that we can walk away from it. So here's, here's how it might look to me. Now, you guys would, would do this differently in your prayer time. But, but what I do is I wake up in the morning and I, and I quote this verse by verse. So I say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then I stop and I go, God, what are you doing in my life right now? That's amazing. What are you doing in my life right now that truly should cause me the right fear, the right reverence, the, the right amount of that? And, and some days there's been huge miracles in my life where it was like there was this thing that looked like it was going to take me out. And all of a sudden at the last minute, God did a miracle and it was like, oh my goodness. And you have these mountaintop moments. But it's not usually that. Usually it's the little things that I just didn't take the time to pay attention to. The fact that I have heat in my house. I, I know that sounds dumb, but last year we went five days without heat in Manaqua. And ever since then, it's very exciting when I hear the heater go on. Sometimes it's the little things, but to allow myself to be in awe of God. Because here's the thing is if you're busy, you're not going to be in awe. How many times have you seen a busy person who's just running around and got this and they got that and they got other things that, that has a sense of wonder and awe about anything? You don't have time for that. It takes too much time to have a sense of awe when you're running around and when you have this daily prayer time to say, God, I'm going to take just a couple minutes to think about what it is you are doing in my life that is amazing. That's awesome. And it might just be the matter that, man, you've got a, you've got a family that's healthy. You've got, a, you've got a, um, a house that is warm. 